Hello and welcome to the long-awaited 50th episode of DRF the Rockies podcast. I'm Joey Brash, and I'm joined by my co-host, Thomas Gifford. Thomas, how are you doing these days? Ah, oh, I'm doing great. It's been far too long. Obviously, we, we talk about the Rockies quite a bit in our free time, but it, we need to give the people what they want, Joey. We need to to start start feeding the streets with some some podcasts about about the Colorado Rockies because baseball is almost back and that that always uh that always makes me feel pretty happy it really does and I think especially this year because uh there was a moment there or perhaps a very long moment when I thought uh we wouldn't have baseball for a long time and to have opening day only delayed by a week and uh a full 162 game season is is above what my expectations were if we would have talked uh three weeks ago. So I'm glad about that. I mean, the lockout honestly seems like old news at this point, but uh, how, how was the lockout experience for you, Thomas? Uh, it was just so disheartening. Just like after the last two years of, you know, the, the, the 60 game season and then a weird season where, you know, it, it all goes according to plan, but then you have people on a COVID list all the time and I don't know. There was still kind of the cloud of the pandemic over everything, and and then we went into a work stoppage, and and I was really not feeling optimistic there. I I, I obviously you know the the use of deadlines and negotiations is is uh you know it's it's a power play. It's how negotiations actually work. But I was really feeling disheartened, and considering how just everything seems to go poorly in when it's out of my control, uh, I, I, I was not feeling optimistic about where things were going. So, uh, I'm happy that we're getting the full season. I really thought we were not getting a full season. Did you think we were getting a full season? I did not. I did not think we were going to get a full season. I mean, the whole, it, it all doesn't matter at this point, but the whole process of when it finally got done, how, um, the owners were like, all right, we've set this 5 PM deadline on Tuesday for a 162 game season and then that passed and they said they're canceling another week of games which seemingly made the 162 impossible and then you know they kept negotiating and eventually got a deal with the 162 game season it just I, I don't understand why they were like we're canceling these games and then the next day we're like actually we're not I you might be right it's just a negotiating ploy you know, I, I think when it came down to it, the players, even though, you know, this, I feel like baseball has sort of gone um, towards the owners in the last, like, 15 years, and the players have kind of, you know, they're still doing fine, to be clear, but have have lost a little power that they once had. And the players stood up for themselves, and wouldn't accept what MLB was accepting, what MLB was offering. And eventually MLB made some concessions and raised the luxury tax and all these little minor things that like, we're probably not going to have to think about for another five years. Um, But overall, like I feel glad that ML, you know, the players association stuck to their guns and got some concessions out of the owners and also that they didn't let this drag on too long 
and allowed for a full season of games. I mean, it's still going to, you know, we're going to get to when opening day should have been, and it's going to be a little weird, but like we're getting those 162 games. It'll just start on April 7th instead of March 31. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. By, uh, by chance did you listen to the latest pause cast with Joe Posnanski? I did not. I, I very rarely listen to that anymore. Uh, that, that's all right. Uh, well, the most the most recent episode, they talk about the, the lockout a little bit, and uh, they, they have an exercise where they go through what the opening offers were on each side, and then, you know, what it ended up being. And on basically all the major, major issues, you know, the, the competitive balance tax, the minimum salary, uh, what else, what am I missing? Uh, the um, bonus pool for you know our players, all of them basically landed exactly halfway in the middle between the opening offers, <laughs> um, which is frustrating because you're just like, wh- why do we go through this like big song and dance if we're just gonna like when we can basically project where we're gonna where, where we're gonna end up you know from day one, and you know th- just the whole like nothing happening in January and then some bad faith meetings happening in February and just very clear animosity on both sides. I was, I was not feeling optimistic, but we have, we have baseball. We, we have baseball and uh, we're, it seems like, you know, there's no mask mandates or anything this year. So we might see something uh, resembling a, a normal year of, of professional baseball. Um, you know, if you just kind of ignore the fact that it's starting a week late. Yeah, prayers up. I, I mean, my thought really when it seemed like we were actually going to miss a significant amount of games, even though I was upset about it, it's just kind of one of those things where it really any profession uh, with a unionized workforce, sometimes this happens. You know, labor disputes are a healthy thing. It's it's good, you know, for size, sides of, of a labor dispute to exercise their power and this kind of thing, you know, hopefully doesn't happen very often. I mean, it hasn't happened very often in our lifetimes. It's the first work stoppage of our lifetimes. So um, it happens, you know, and it all seems stupid and for not and everything, but ultimately it ended up not being too much of a problem. And now we should have at least five years of no more work stoppages. So that's nice, isn't it? Yeah, that's uh, it's very nice, and it seems like uh, players got got some things that they wanted, which is is good. Because uh, even though I think public sentiment was generally on the player side, uh, I think people were starting to be like, "All right, let's 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 uh, let's figure this out." Uh, a pox on both houses, uh, etc. But yeah, should should we talk about actual actual baseball? Let let's talk about what we're expecting to see at uh on at what is it 20 2100 blake i'm forgetting the address of first field i think it's, it's been too 2000 long. 2001 blake 2001 it's 20th and blake yes yeah, it's, it's 20th so yeah that makes sense I, yeah i mean let's let's just go ahead and get into the meat of why we felt having this episode was necessary and i think that is the signing of chris bryant it's certainly not something that was expected uh, by the uh, general baseball fandom or media, or I would say even even Rockies fans. Uh, so 
I just like to hear Thomas, and maybe I'll give you mine after you go. What was your initial reaction to the Chris Bryant signing? I feel, I I don't know. I I don't do. Do you have feelings about the Colorado Rockies anymore? Like true, like you know, to your core feelings, or or do you feel a little bit just like we're on a, a sinking ship? Like we may as well have a little bit of fun because that that's kind of where my emotions went towards. Like eh. We were a crap team anyway. Like, may, may as well watch Chris Bryant hit a few bombs. Like, I, it's just more of the same. I maybe I'm a little too black pilled, but what about you? That that's my initial reaction. Here's my point of view, um, and and this is has been a, a long time in the works. Going into last season after the Arenado trade, which is something that we should certainly discuss because I, I don't think you can have any real discussion about the Rockies and especially, you know, signing Chris Bryant without talking about the Arenado trade. But moving on from that for now, after the Arenado trade last year, I was as negative on the Rockies as I have ever been. And um, I did not think I would care about them or watch them very often going into 2021. And then the season started and I realized that there's truly nothing I can do. I am a Rockies fan. There's nothing I can do to change it. It just is what it is. So I'm going to stop fighting it. And that is sort of where I was going, you know, before the Chris Bryant signing. Like, my rational brain is like, yeah, this is going to be a bad team. But they're still my boys, and I still hope for the best. Like, that's kind of where I'm at. And we we can go into the, the big picture aspects of it, the, you know, Montfort's control of this team, the Bill Schmidt regime, but ultimately what it comes down to is I'm a Rockies fan and I hope they win they win games and they don't lose games. So that's my point of view and when it comes to the Bryant signing, I was excited about it because uh I like it when the Rockies spend money, I like it when the Rockies make their team a better team. And it was unexpected. And, you know, I, I've certainly, the the uh, pretty widespread and national media reaction, but, you know, seeing what I've seen of Rockies fans' reactions generally has pretty much been a resounding, like, what the hell are the Rockies doing? Um, which I get. I get that perspective. But it's like, you, you know, what they're doing is they're signing a good player. That's really what it comes down to. And, and I think that I have developed a bit of a uh, inferiority complex being a Rockies fan. Yeah. And the Rockies, ever since the Arenado trade, I think, especially the Arenado trade, have become sort of the team that people, baseball fans in general, look to as the worst run team and like they're probably right but it's also kind of like i don't know that's my team like i i still don't like it i still don't like when people you know are are coming after the rockies and and laughing at them it 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 upsets me to my core so that's that is my reaction, I want I want to talk through this. I want to see right. what your perspective is, because I'm sure you have a bit of a different one than mine, but that's where I'm at. No, actually, I think I agree with you more than you might uh, expect, because when 
a couple days at what what was the timeline here remind me what did the the a's get rid of everyone before or after the the chris bryant's uh signing uh i think it was around the same time right i don't right. know well i think it, it, anyway at a at a period in time when both had happened uh my father sent me a tweet like basically about the a's shedding all their assets and and getting some uh, you know, interesting young talent in re- return, but getting rid of their biggest stars and definitely the the fan favorites of the team. And he's like, "This is what a this is what a competent franchise does. They you know recognize when the ship's going down and they they do something about it." And I I understand that to a certain degree. Uh, I think part of <laughs> part of uh, the, that argument I don't buy is that the the A's owner is just you know cheap as hell and and. I don't have much sympathy for that. They're just not spending on a on a team that, and not really putting any interest into you know keeping the team in Oakland or anything like that. Really, just betraying the fans at every turn. But even if the A's are quote unquote more competently run than the Rockies, I'm I'm happy I'm happier to be a Rockies fan. I think. And that could entirely be Stockholm syndrome. You know, that could just be me. Once again, accepting that fate that you talk about of, you know, I was born into this fandom. I have no say in it now. There's no, you know, changing it if I tried, so I may as well embrace it. And uh, I I think that, yeah, when, when you compare it even to like, you know, to, to make it even a, a harder decision, you know, like whether to be a Rays fan or a Rockies fan, on the one hand, yeah, it'd be way better to be a Rays fan because you're going to win 90 games every year and contend for the, the the division and, you know, frequently make deep pushes into the playoffs and, and have some play or and some World Series appearances. But at the same time, uh, you're not you, you, you can't afford to become emotionally attached to anyone on the team because you know that it's an asset that they're going to flip. And they're going to flip him for someone that you'll probably end up liking just as much, if not more, because it's a well-run franchise. But I do think that there's some there, there's some romance that I have in my heart for baseball being different than this, you know, hard, cold machine of efficiency for winning and minimizing payroll. Um, even though that might actually be what it is, I, I, I can't completely let go of the, the, the romance in my heart. So I'm, I'm kind of with you, Joey. Two sides to that um, that I want to bring up. There's one side that it's like, of course, I just want my, my team to be good. I don't care how they do it. I don't care how much money they spend to do it. I just want my team to be good. That's why I watch, because I hope that one day the Rockies will win a World Series and they will be a competitive franchise. On the other hand, I, I don't I, I feel like there is somewhat within fandom I mean this has been brought up over and over again, but that like in the past people used to put themselves in the minds of the players and think how cool it would be to be a player. And now fans generally are of the mind of the front office and, and trying to game out, you know, what players to acquire and things like that. And I don't know. I just don't find that as interesting. Like, I just think if, if this was 30 years ago, if we were in the early nineties and the Rockies had just finished a season 
you know, 74 and 87, um, as they did last year. And then they went out and signed, you know, one of the best free agents on the market. People would be excited. You know, they'd be like, yeah, maybe last year didn't go as, as we had hoped, but you never know about this year. And I understand that that's like an ignorance is bliss position because like we can see the projections and those projections, even with Chris Bryant, look pretty bleak. Fangraphs has the Rockies uh, projected record as uh, just about 66 and 95. Pakoda is just about at the same point. Um, You you know, this is a team that is, Uh, projected pretty clearly to be one of the worst in baseball, despite the fact that, you know, a lot of those teams in the same boat as the Rockies are actively not trying. And that's, that's bad. That's a very bad place to be in. You know, there, there isn't all that much coming to the Rockies in terms of prospects, at least soon. I, I, if I recall correctly, the, you know, there are some players in the lower minors who are pretty well touted, but guys who might be, you know, true contributors to the MLB team in the farm system right now in the next couple of years are few and far between. It's a bummer. It's it's a legitimate bummer. But I also think that, like, I don't know. You never know. You You, you truly never know what could happen in an MLB season and – I'm just I'm just glad that everything obviously can't view this in a vacuum because of the people who are running this team. But it, it it is a franchise that likes to get in its own way, but is actively trying and actively spending money on trying to improve this team, even if it's done in a poor way. I I don't know. Who knows what could happen? I'm just. I, I'm just glad that there will be some potentially fun baseball to watch at 20th and Blake. Yeah, I I want to like just entirely agree with you, but at at the same time, they are spending this money on Bryant instead of somewhere else, right? Like that's that's uh, the the nature of of budgets, and. You know why isn't this money going to Trevor Story and John Gray? Like why? Why isn't this money? I I don't know. Why isn't this money going to Nolan Arenado? I, I we we had a, a solid core of pretty relatively young talent, and it seemed like something you could you could build around. And they repeatedly signed you know just bust after bust in the free agent market, and some of that was foreseeable and some of that wasn't for sure but i i don't know i it's the the best <laughs> the best free agent signing that i think the rockies have made in the last like five years is cj crone question mark in terms of at least dollars per war that they cj crone was actually someone who you know from a, a million miles away you probably could have said oh, that guy could probably do pretty well at Coors Field and then lo and behold he he did I think by baseball prospectus he, he might have led the, the 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 team in in hitting war last year or was close to story at least so I don't know I I do definitely see that point of you know yes good that we're not the pirates happy that it's not just this pocket 
pocket every cent that you can uh, in the in the name of you know potentially getting better five years down the line and saying no this is this is a guy we want to go out and get right now but I think it might speak more to the delusional state of the front office than anything resembling you know real hope I get that I get that but I almost just think that when we talk about Arenado and to a lesser extent story and gray who I think were really the those three guys and maybe you can include Blackman in there maybe like Marquez or something but those three guys were the guys who came up you know as the Rockies were sort of entering that uh, window of contention and it ended up in two wild card appearances and one playoff win. And I think we could have all hoped that a, a core like that would, you know, have a better built uh, supporting cast. And that hasn't happened. I also think though, that we kind of have to move on from it because Arenado's gone. He wanted out. And, and I, I want to talk more about Arenado because that's, it, it's been a, but a whole lot of the Bryant conversation, maybe because Arenado and Bryant were compared to one another so much in their careers, maybe just because it's the Rockies. But, you know, Arenado wanted out. Story clearly, um, from what I've read, prioritizes winning, was upset by not being traded at the trade deadline, which I think is perfectly fair, and was not going to resign with the Rockies. John Gray, they probably could have gotten back. I don't, that whole thing of not offering him a qualifying offer still surprises me, but I don't know. I, I just sort of think that like, if if the animosity is about how the, you know, 2017 to 2019 Rockies blew their opportunity, I, I just think we're going to have to move past that and accept that that is something that happened and that core has been taken down. And now we just might see what we have with the, with the new crew led by Chris Bryant and some of these younger players who we've seen flashes of potential from. So I'm just going to say, I think that in the last year or two, the Rockies have shown themselves to be better at getting those sort of complementary pieces on the roster and Crone is the best example, but also you look at certain guys in the bullpen who have looked pretty good, like Daniel Bard, although he was pretty bad last year, but like Robert Stevenson, you know, going out and getting Alex Colome this year, signing Chad Cool. Like these are the these are the moves that like I don't know, a, a team that knows what they're doing will make. They're potentially low risk and high reward kinds of guys who I'm glad that they're going out and getting. So I don't know. I I just feel like there is a little too much and I've made this point, but a little too much of still being angry about the Rockies blowing what could have been like a truly great team. And they absolutely did that. But I I think at this point we just have to go forward with it. And, and, And I do think that even though like Dick Montfort is still there and I think is the guy who was mostly negotiating with Chris Bryant from what I've read. I think that Bill Schmidt has shown himself to be, even though it's a low bar, a bit more competent than Jeff Breidich, in my opinion. 
there's much less drama with with bill schmidt i will say that so that 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 might at least you know signal that there's yeah steady a steady hand at the helm uh to to bring in a nautical analogy and i i do uh, to go back to something you said earlier also to be fair you you do never know what's going to happen in baseball that's why we like baseball and I was just looking at last year's Giants roster because I believe they were projected to be somewhere in the the high 70s, maybe right around 500. Does that sound right? Before last season started, and obviously ended up winning 107 games, blew those projections, you know, beyond any what any team had ever done beyond what they've been projected to do. And the way they do that is through kind of weird performances like Kevin Gossman putting up a almost five win season and Logan Webb putting up four wins and Johnny Cueto still being somewhat productive in 114 uh, innings and if you go to the the offensive side like Brandon Crawford put up five and a half wins last year he was you know if if you had told me what's the over under for Brandon Crawford's single season war last year I I probably would have put it around like two. I don't know. Like that that's weird and, and obviously something that the that the projections you know missed. And you know, Buster Posey is he he's still retired, right? Like he didn't he didn't pull a Tom Brady. No, he's he's, oh, he's okay. fully he's, retired. He's still retired. But yeah, no, he put up five five wins last year. Like that's that's kind of ridiculous. So if you take that kind of weird outlier template and apply it to you know the Rockies, uh, th- their roster this year. I guess you can see Charlie Blackman and you know maybe Brendan Rodgers has a breakout season. I I like you know Dom Nunez and Elias Diaz and I don't know. I guess Chad Cool could be. He's projected to be our our fifth starting pitcher right now. Gotta love Austin Gomber. I I still love Austin Gomber. Never didn't love Austin Gomber. And and so I guess you can you can talk your our Homer brains into a way that this team somehow squeaks out eighty eight wins or something like that and, and squeaks into the the, the playoffs. I, I don't know what what's the best case scenario? Do you think for the Rockies this year? You know, complete Homer, no, you know way optimistic bias what's your best case scenario for the colorado rockies this year joey yeah i i think that like the best case scenario is that they maybe end up like a mid 80s win team that sneaks into the wild card and you know there's an extra wild card this year so i think that's somewhat important to point out but i also just want to make the point that i think as someone who is a fan of the colorado rockies like it does make a difference to me whether this team wins 78 games versus 72, even though that would lead them to not being in the playoffs, no matter what, like, I I don't know. I don't like that sort of line of thinking that it's either. and, And I know that this has been sort of the mantra of front offices for the last 20 years, but it's either, you know, you make the playoffs and you're a true contending team or it doesn't matter. I do think it matters. Like, it, it matters to me if the Rockies are a slightly better team, even if they're not going to make the playoffs. But I, I'm not going to, like, I could I could go on about, you know, yeah, maybe Blackman will have a, a bounce-back year and, and be a 5 war player again all of a sudden. 
and maybe like Sam Hilliard and Ryan McMahon and Brendan Rogers will, will break out and be like well above average hitters that we all, you know, think is maybe slightly possible. Um, and the rotation Marquez will sort of find that consistency and Freeland will be something closer to his 2018 self and the bullpen, you know, some, Bullpen magic will happen. No one ever knows what's going on with a bullpen. Things will work out, and all of a sudden, Justin Lawrence or whoever is going to be, you know, throwing 102 miles per hour and closing out games with a 1.2 ERA. Like you don't know, you don't know what could happen. It's probably not going to happen. No, like it's not. <laughs> they're, they're they're probably going to be bad. I understand that, but like I don't know. Like like why why does it what does it do for me to like sit here on um, March 19th and be like, this team is going to be bad and I'm not going to enjoy watching them. Like I, that, that's not why I watch the games. I don't know. I, I just think when it really comes down to it, what's going on here is that the nerds are ruining baseball <laughs> and we need to, we need to bring it back to don't a worry. Classic... The shift's gone. The shift's gone. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, the shift's not quite gone yet, but it will be gone. What is gone, though, is pitchers hitting. Oh, um, thank God. I, <laughs> I do believe uh, we made a little bet about this many years back, though, Thomas. We, I've already discussed this with you. It offsets with the Cam <laughs> Newton bet. <laughs> no, it does. I, you know what? I, I don't want this to have to be a problem, Thomas. I, just for the listeners out there, wait, I believe at one point I made a very – Stupid bet after Cam Newton lost the Super Bowl that I bet him this uh, fifty dollars that Cam Newton would win a Super Bowl, and we had an independent third party uh, answer this question, and that bet does not settle until Cam Newton dies. I would say that independent and third party are are generous adjectives to use, but no, I, I think. You know, if if you've made it this far in the podcast and you're listening, send us your thoughts. I think that we need the people's <laughs> thoughts on this, Joey. I, I, I I'm not. I I, 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 I. Regardless, Thomas. Regardless, Cam Newton is still an active NFL player. That's that's fair Ooh. enough. Yes. And and I will I will be uh, looking forward to payment, even if I have to give you that money back in a couple of years. <laughs> I, that's all I'm saying. All right, all right, fair enough, fair enough. We'll we'll settle yeah. this. But um, uh, the the DH is coming to Coors. I I don't know exactly how the Rockies are going to use that. I think Charlie Blackman is probably the obvious pick. Although I don't I don't think the Rockies are going to have like you know a true Nelson Cruz type who plays almost every day at DH. But I mean that that type of DH is almost gone anyway right like there's there's not many examples of a pure dh left that i can think of off the top of my head there are a couple like jd martinez i think almost exclusively dhs um i i don't know it's not like it's generally used as like yeah let's get another bat in the lineup let's give someone basically a half day off um, which i guess the rockies will use i want you to guess how many uh how many DHs qualified last year? Okay. Um, I'm going to say like four. It's actually 12. I was I was surprised by the, the number. Hmm. You have Shohei, 
Nelson Cruz, uh, Trey Mancini, you know, the, the usual suspects. But then I forgot about people like Miguel Cabrera. Ryan Mountcastle apparently is is the only... He's, he's mostly playing DH for the, the Orioles. So I guess this really just speaks to me not watching much AL baseball. Yeah. I wonder, and I don't, I don't know what leaderboard you're looking at, but if that, like, if someone plays, like, 80 games at DH and 70 games at third base, right. if that would, yeah. like, qualify them and they would be listed as a DH. I don't know. That's quite Ultimately, it, it doesn't matter. This isn't, this isn't why we're talking right now. We're not trying to pick nits about Fangraph's leaderboards or anything. Um, but it's a thing that, like, I mean, for one thing, even though it might be relatively minor, like the most, the craziest offensive environment uh, in baseball is now going to be just a little bit crazier uh, with DHs on both sides. So that's fun. But yeah, I, I think it's to be seen exactly how the Rockies use it. But let's just, let, let's go back to, at least for now, to Chris Bryant. And I don't know, how do you see the Rockies using him? Um, how do you think that he's going to age if he, you know, if you might want to guess, I mean, what do you think, what do you think we look back, you know, seven years later, once that contract expires as the Rockies legacy of Chris Bryant? Yeah. I mean, if you had asked, if this had happened last year, I would be worried because obviously in the shortened season, he had some injury issues and didn't play very well when he was back. So, uh, obviously that, that would be a little bit of a cause for concern, but I don't know. Like I look at his numbers and it really just looks like he's a a little, he's basically like Nolan Arenado who can't really play defense that well. And I think that they've already announced that he'll end up playing in, uh, left field this year, which I think is, it's definitely the right move, but you know, last year he was he was really good and really consistent with what he had been doing through the rest of his career, a little bit lower BABIP. So, you know, if the Rockies might have just added their best bat or second best bat, and if he can stay healthy, which is the only thing that's caused concern over the last couple of years, I, I don't see any reason to not be excited. He's, let's see, I think he's like eight months younger, or yeah, eight months younger than, than Arenado. Wait eight months older than Arenado yeah eight months younger than Arenado so yeah we we down you know we got a younger player that's good he is significantly cheaper than Arenado you know like five million dollars a year cheaper and uh, especially after Nolan's the second part of that contract kicks in it'll be even a bigger difference so I don't know I'm I'm excited about him I think he'll he'll be good as long as he's playing and last year he played 157 games which that's almost all the baseball games. So yeah, I'm yeah. I'm excited, Jay. Yeah, I, I think the injury concerns are real. I, he's certainly no too low or anything. You know, this guy is he missed significant time in 2018 and 2020, as you said. But other than that, has played. You know, has qualified for the batting title and everything. I, I think the real question is, does the MVP Chris Bryant? still exist um you know in 2016 when the cubs won the world series famously chris bryant was won the mvp and had a eight war and a 150 wrc plus in the two years surrounding that his rookie year he was fantastic the year after 
his MVP year, he was fantastic. And since then, you know, there's been a little bit of a decline, despite the fact that, you know, other than 2020, which I just think, you know, he had 150 plate appearances. It was a weird year. He was hurt. I don't think we can read that much into it. But other than that, he has been a solidly well above average hitter, um, which obviously for a Rockies team that has struggled with their offense for the last, I don't know, eight years um, would be a welcome addition. But I don't know if that if that Chris Bryant of 2016 or 2017, you know, could be resuscitated. It's not like he's, you know, really old or anything. I think it's a possibility. Like, that'd be awesome. That'd be really, really fun to see. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's to be seen. I think, um, you know, having a guy in left field uh, isn't, you know, that's moving down the defensive spectrum. Not a crazy amount, but certainly down the defensive spectrum. Players generally don't get better into their 30s. I realize that. I think to expect him to be an MVP contributor. But, like, you know, just looking from a homer perspective, like, the the best-case scenario here is that he's Larry Walker, Right. Like, he's a guy who right. had his moments in Montreal and then signs with the Rockies as a free agent for an expensive, but not like a Corey Seager $300 million contract, an expensive contract, and then becomes, you know, once again, one of the best hitters in baseball. Like, that's the best-case scenario, right? And I don't, I don't think that's likely or anything, but who knows, man? There's something in the water at Coors Field, isn't there? Yeah, no, I, I think that that's actually not out of the realm of possibility. Although I will say if if Chris Bryant ends up putting up like seven war this year and the Rockies end up winning, you know, 82 games, I, that'll really hurt my soul. Just the fact <laughs> that would that would truly be like Larry Walker right there. Yeah, <laughs> like if yeah, exactly. If it really turned into a Larry Walker situation, uh, the the early 2000s were not a fun time to be a Colorado Rockies fan. Um, but it's it's definitely not out of the realm of possibilities, especially since Larry also had some some injury concerns before he, he signed with the Rockies and Montreal basically gave him away which which was really a a fortunate stroke of luck there one thing i that was kind of a a signal of concern for me was that there was um that the the contract for chris bryant was one of the largest gaps between you know projected signing amount and length of contract and what it actually ended up being uh in the history of fan graphs so that might just speak to the uh i don't know unique thinking of the colorado rockies front office and i hope that that's unique uh in a good way one thing that i keep thinking about with this because you know i i think we've covered all the reasons that this is a very at its core it's a very strange decision good bad whatever it's a very strange decision one thing that's very odd about this uh the signing is that he was a willing participant right like he's he signed the contract willingly he looked at what's happened you know he's operating on the exact same information we are presumably he kind of understands how strange this is from the outside as well unless he's completely head under the sand in terms of what the state of major league baseball right now and the state of various teams but 
No, Chris Bryant looked at the Colorado Rockies, who had scared away two, two and a half stars in the last couple years, in the last two years, who had gone through a you know general manager change, who has constant turmoil and turnover in the in the front office and refuses to to do anything innovative or bring in any outside perspectives and he's like yes that's where i want to (laughs) spend potentially the rest of my career um and if you know if he even puts up a decent second half of his career you know over these next seven years i think that it's pretty safe to say he'll be in the hall of fame uh especially since you do have that added bonus of winning the Cubs the World Series and and winning the MVP in that season so it's it's just an odd decision on his part but he he did it right like it's the same thing I thought of like the Wander Franco signing or Ozzy Albies which from the outside it's like what is happening here but they're they're two willing participants in this in this negotiation and and both sides came to an agreement so what am I you know who am I to say that it's the wrong thing to do on on either side what do you think was going through Chris Bryant's mind? I mean, some people have said, which I think there might be some truth to it, that like, you know, he's already got the ring, might as well get the money now. Yeah. Um, and and like, I think that's true. I think it's also like just a true thought that an MLB player and his agent go into free agency with the intention to sign the best contract that's on the board. I, I I sometimes think people put a little too much thought into it. That like yeah. no one was willing to give him that much money, so that's why he signed with the Rockies. And you know, more power to him. Not my money. Yeah, I guess if I was given that same deal, and if it was significantly more than anywhere else, I think I would probably put up with some pretty high levels of dysfunction. But it is interesting, just because you do see so many unhappy superstars in this place and to willingly sign up to be the next one in line is it's kind of strange or maybe he's like ah maybe <laughs> maybe they'll trade me and, and pay me to play for someone else like they did for yeah. nolan <laughs> uh, yeah and that's like a, that's a distinct possibility um uh, that we have to you know he has a tr- no trade clause like Arenado. He does, yeah. and it, and and I don't know. I, I want to talk about Arenado because I think that my feelings about it have somewhat significantly changed in the last year since we've, you know, seen Nolan in St. Louis and he's made many comments about what it was like to be a Rocky. Um, certain things have rubbed me the wrong way. Like I remember he, you know, he had like a home run on opening day and was like wow these fans are so amazing i've never gotten a a yeah, a curtain a curtain call before and it's <laughs> like you know it, i i get it when it's coming after like montfort and brightage i 100 percent get it but like the rockies fans loved you man they loved you and, and there's just a little bit of me that wonders if he signed that extension in you know whatever it was 2019 with the intention of getting out of there whenever he wanted to. And, you know, we, we look at the at what the Rockies got back and people love to bring up the $51 million that we sent to St. Louis, which I understand looks bad. It looks bad to pay someone $50 million to take, you know, the most beloved player in a franchise history. But it is an important thing to remember that Nolan Arenado had a no-trade clause and, 
probably said like, Hey, I want to go to St. Louis or maybe like a, a small contention of teams that he said he wanted to go to. Like there was another report that said that Nolan was like sending, I think Adam Wainwright said this, that like Arenado, you know, while still with the Rockies was sending Adam Wainwright videos of, of Nolan right. of himself and being like, Hey, show this to John Mosellock, the GM over there. I don't know. It sort of seems like that's where he wanted to go. And and I know that like the narrative of Nolan Arenado um, signed this contract, you know, being like, Hey, let's go this team. You know, they're good. They're going to, they're going to, you know, commit to this team and sign other guys around me. And then the Rockies didn't. And then he got upset and he was alienated and he demanded a trade. And that's the narrative. And I think that's still, probably true like i i think it's a little unfair to be like nolan arenado you know knew exactly what he was doing when he signed that contract but it's a little bit like we knew who the rockies were in 2019 and we knew that they're not gonna like run some kind of 220 million dollar payroll and are probably going to be content in certain places when other teams aren't going to be content and I don't know. I just feel like looking back on it, like what I think Dick Montfort and Jeff Breidich should have done if this was the, you know, the package that they would be able to get for Nolan Arenado and say like, hey, listen, we're going to try and build a good team around you. And if you're unhappy, you're just going to have to deal with it until um, we're able to get a better package for, for your services. And, and you know, I, I look at like, for example, to bring it to another sport, what Daryl Morey did in uh, the se- with the 76ers with Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons, like, clearly was not going to play for the 76ers. He refused to play. He, like, lost out on, like, tens of million do- millions of dollars refusing to play. And still, Daryl Morey was like, hey, yeah, that's, that, if that's what you're going to do, I'm not going to trade you until we get a good package. And he didn't. And then he got a good package with James Harden. Like, I I think that's how they should have handled it versus, like, what really happened was they shipped this guy off and then people were livid and then they were like, oh, like, he wanted out. What what do you want to do? Like, there's nothing we could do about it. Like, I don't know. There's got to be – it it all comes back to this, like, culture aspect of the Rockies that, like, Dick Montfort didn't think it was possible to – have a team if there was someone upset on that team and I think that could have been handled better but I don't know just looking back I'm just not sure that the the narrative around Nolan Arenado that we had a year ago is is really accurate yeah I I think that's fair um I I don't know I I think that I've I have some sympathy for Nolan in the sense that if you have a bad relationship with your employer, it's hard to see anything past that just because it is so so constant in your life. So I, I do think that there's still that pattern of, you know, the best Colorado Rockies not being satisfied with the way the team is managed. And that's that's beyond, you know, Nolan. Like that that's Trevor, that's Tulo, that's 
you don't you don't get that many players of that that caliber um so i definitely think that there are things that definitely he could have managed better and there's definitely a narrative out there that is probably it not if not inaccurate then perhaps slanted uh in a i don't know pro nolan way maybe that's too too generous of a way of saying it but I do think that the the problem is deeper than you know Nolan Arenado not being happy. I think there was a, a reason he was not happy, and there's a reason he wanted to go to St. Louis, even if all those things are true. And he kind of forced his way out um, behind the scenes. Like there there are reasons that he that that he felt that way. And I do think the weirdest thing about it is is the timing of the the extension. Um, and I really don't know what to make of that at all. So let's let's take your advice, Joey. Let's let's move past Nolan Arenado. Let's let's try to heal. Let's try to you know grow as individuals and as as people together. Honestly, that's that's what life's all about. So are there any other like Colorado Rockies uh, headlines that you're excited? Or is there? I guess I should let you say your piece on Nolan. Is there anything else you want to say on Nolan? Yeah, yeah, just just one piece I want to bring up on Nolan before we move on. Um, Nolan Arenado was asked about the Chris Bryant signing, which, you know, is, I think, a little bit funny. Um, and he said to the question, they must see something going on with their team and think they can compete. It's just like, come on, dude. Like, we get it. You got out. I don't know. Just There's a little bit of, like, he's not over it either. He, he's thrown these like little barbs at the Rockies. and I don't know. I get it, but it's like, he's not a Rocky anymore. There's nothing we can do about it. He's never coming back. So like, let's move on. Let's stop pretending like, like he's the Rocky that got away. Let's just, let's just get over it. We got Chris Bryant, who I spent, you know, six years saying was worse than Nolan Arenado. Um, who probably is, but, I don't know. Let, let's have fun with what we got now. And yeah, let's hope Chris Bryan is Larry Walker. Um, other than that, with, with the Rockies, I don't know. Like, I'm excited to, to see guys like uh, Brendan Rogers get a full season of regular playing time. Someone like Sam Hilliard to get more of a chance. See if the Connor Joe show can be a uh, further realized on a on a larger scale you know there there are things i'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to watching marquez pitch freeland pitch senzatella pitch you know maybe we'll see uh guys like ryan rollison or something but other than that i'm just when it really comes down to it i'm just glad we have baseball back and there's some exciting parts of this team it's not all bleak i'm excited to watch Chris Bryan in the purple pinstripes hit ball 450 feet onto the concourse. And I don't know. I think it's going to be a good year. I'm looking forward to to going to some Rockies games. How about you? I'm excited to watch Jose Iglesias hit two <laughs> two eleven, uh, and that that'll be fun. Scott Schebler will hit 172, but every single hit will be a home run, so that'll be exciting. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm 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 very excited. I love baseball joey it's base it's almost baseball season i walked outside today and it was you know just that that level of warmth where you know 
that your soul knows that it's almost spring and it was nice because it's it's almost baseball season i love this this time of year i, yeah. I keep getting the 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 memories of our trips to to spring training um in what was that 2016 and 17 i think that's right yeah yeah 2016 and 17 great times we took over phoenix the the boys took over phoenix had a lot of in and out uh and yeah you know all the good memories come back flooding back when baseball season comes back so uh, i'm excited I will say, like, on one hand, it, it was just such a weird off season with the lockout and everything, you know, because up until uh, whatever it was, 10 days ago, I was like, yeah, the season's probably not going to start until, like, May if we're lucky. So having that shift, you know, truly in a moment was cool. But then it was weird being like, yeah, baseball's back, baseball's back, and then it's not, like, actually back for another month, you know? <laughs> yeah, that is true. Like, <laughs> It, it sort of seemed like I was so excited a few days ago, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, spring training goes on." Where there are these games that like truly don't matter, with guys we'll never ever see in a Rockies uniform. But like, hey, it's soon, soon enough. We'll be sitting there with our sunglasses on and twentieth and Blake, you know, enjoying a nice crisp Coca Cola and watching our boys, you know, lose to the Dodgers sixteen to nine. I'm a bigger fan of the Coca-Cola Zero, but, uh, you know, to each their own, to each their own. I hear you. I hear you, brother. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, one. Well, I did have one more question before we uh, wrap things up here. Any predictions for where Trevor's story ends up? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, let's see. I think it's possible he goes to the Astros. I heard the, yeah. the Rangers were had rekindled talks with Story. The Giants potentially, which I wouldn't love to see, but I think I think it's a real uh, possibility. Yeah, I don't really know. Um, it's it's a bit strange to me that he hasn't signed yet, and the fact that the contract that Carlos Correa got uh, from the Twins, which is just I mean that just happened today, and it was kind of wild to me. Um, you know, Correa, who's a very young free agent, he's 27 years old. He just put up maybe the best year of his career signs, you know, like a, a Trevor Bauer deal. Sorry to bring up his name, but you know, one of these, like what is effectively a one year deal that he could turn into a three year deal. They're opt outs after every year. I don't know. It's just a little crazy to me that, that someone like Carlos Correa being the kind of player he is, can't um, get himself a, a $300 million contract like um, Corey Seager did down in Texas. So I, I don't know what to think of that. Um, I, I find it a little strange that story hasn't signed thus far. Just to be clear for anyone out there, I think it is, he is not coming back to the Rockies. I just, no. I just want to be fully clear about that. That's not going to happen. Um, but you know, I, I wish Trevor all the best. He's a wonderful player and I hope he has a, Hope he has success wherever he ends up. I hope it's not the Giants. Just please be anyone but the Giants. Yeah, I if I had to put money on it right now, I would say either the the Astros or the the Yankees, um, because they both, unless the Yankees have signed a shortstop in the last forty eight hours, and I'm I'm not aware of, but I believe their their current starting day shortstop is uh, Kiner Falefa. Is that correct? 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, think so. Yeah. So I, I don't think the Yankees fans will be super thrilled with that. And he's, he's the Trevor story is really good. Uh, I, I do think there might be something, and, and this uh, also goes back to kind of the Correa point. I, there were kind of some rumblings last year that, you know, Trevor Story's arm was was having some difficulties and that that was translating into some issues on defense. And he was still pretty good at the, the plate last year. Not by, not his best year for sure, but still definitely an, an above average. He was still uh, probably an all-star level, level player last year. And so I wonder if there is any, you know, truth to that, you know, lingering arm issues that would you know, maybe if not this year require a, a shift to second base down the line, uh, or, or something like that. So that's something that I, I've, I've been thinking about, but I, I think the Yankees or the, the Astros at this point, I think that that makes sense. Yeah. I think he, it makes sense that the Astros, he just, he looks like a, he's a Texas boy. He, he, he I is. think you'd look good in the Astros uniform. Yeah. I'm sure he, everyone would look good in the Astros uniform. You know, he could go to the Astros. He could, I'm sure he could figure out how to steal signs, and it would yeah. be totally fine. Well, he um, could he could share our techniques of the uh, <laughs> the massage gun. <laughs> the massage gun, baby. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I think I don't know. I think it's I, if I were to put money on it, I'd probably say the Giants. The Giants haven't really oh, made that damn. that free agent splash, and I think Story would be a a logical. Um, place for him to end up let's just talk about just for one sec now that we're talking about the giants like man the dodgers are too good it's just like even if the rockies were like truly the best run like had an a's level brain trust or not a's rays more like level brain trust and you know spent money to to put you know fairly good talent around it like they would just not compete with the dodgers the dodgers are just like the pinnacle of um, what it means to be a good MLB franchise who invests in itself and invests in, you know, a very, very smart ahead of the curve front office and research and development team. It's just like, I don't know who cares anymore. Like the Dodgers, you can just pencil them in for like 105 wins for the next 10 years, which is just stupid. It's truly stupid. And like looking at the giants who truly did have like, the best possible year last year that no one could have predicted. You know, they went from being a team that was projected to be like 500 or a little below to winning like, what was it? 108 games, the most in their franchise history. And they held off the Dodgers for the rest of the regular season. And then they got into the playoffs and they still got beat by the Dodgers. Like it's just, (laughs) what are we going to do about it? There's really nothing we can do. And, need and even expansion and league realignment. That's what we <laughs> <Yeah>. need. <laughs> we just need to like destroy that team somehow. It's not fair. <laughs> it's just not fair. And we're gonna, no. you know, it's the, a funny scheduling quirk with the um, Rockies' uh, three-game series opening series with the Dodgers getting postponed. Is now the Rockies are playing those three games at the end of the season, yeah. which will turn out to be a six game uh, series <laughs> at Dodger Stadium. Oh, where man. my mind went is like Rockies, you know, come Can in. Can I pay five you to watch by... that series? <laughs> <laughs> the Rockies come in five games behind the division uh the division <laughs> crown and then have a six game sweep. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like 
it's you know the Dodgers they'll probably like the Rockies will have lost like 92 games by then and and the Dodgers will you know be like bending off the Padres and the Padres are like god damn that six game series I would actually say it's more likely that the Rockies go in with the five game lead and then get get swept by the Dodgers in six Oh, that would be that would be incredible, wouldn't it? Oh, make me make me laugh. I couldn't help but laugh. I think I I think I'd be rooting for the Dodgers in that last game. I think I'd be like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, it was. I wasn't gonna say anything of substance, Thomas. It was great to get this back going. I'm sorry we couldn't have your little brother on here, but he's probably you know playing baseball. I believe he is. Yeah which is something that you and I couldn't even dream of. Oh, no. God, no. Instead, we just sit behind a microphone and judge people who play baseball. Yeah. Like like a bunch of pretentious nerds. Um, But we we will be back. Um, Oh, yeah. This was fun. Even if nobody listens, which I'm sure some people listen, it's always fun to talk baseball with you, Thomas, to talk Rockies. Always fun. And I hope, you know, next time we record, it's, april 27th and the rockies you know are the surprise team in the national league that's, I, that's I my hope wait. can't wait <laughs> all right well, thomas we... as always go rockies go rockies